What of Sarek's family, his wife and son? Amanda, wife of Sarek, born on Earth as Amanda Grayson. The couple separated after the death of their son. The son? What was his name and age when he died? Spock, age seven. Greetings, everyone. Matt here, and welcome to Star Trek Essentials. Our voyage each week review the very best of the first 50 years of the Star Trek franchise. Joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hey, everybody. As part of our continuing voyage today, we're going to be talking about Star Trek, the animated series episode yesteryear. Pete, as the elder statesman on our Star Trek voyage, can you give us a little background on Star Trek, the animated series? Of course. Uh, this is what, uh, you know, garden variety fans would know simply as the cartoon. Um, after the cancellation of the original series on TV by NBC, um, they brought this to Saturday mornings and uh, was originally known as the animated adventures of Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek. Um, and it continues the journey that we saw from the original series. Uh, it was, it is notable in that of the seven series that have aired is the only one to ever capture an Emmy for its work. And also notable, even though it's a cartoon, they had involvement from every um, actor who was on the original series, though not all, in a voice capacity. Walter Koenig was on the writing staff. Chekhov was a writer on this show. He was not on the show. Because they didn't, they had enough money for everybody except for him. And Nichelle Nichols and uh, Major Barrett Roddenberry and James Doohan, they voice a million characters each. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it, it, it's kitschy to look back on but you know we feel we've picked uh, a real series highlight from that um to get into it's different in that they're you know half hour episodes or they would broadcast over a half hour with commercials it ran from uh 1973 to 1974 and again you know this was in that downtime and then the the con uh the convention movement you know, really got things going and then Star Wars happened and then suddenly we were watching Star Trek, the motion picture and really the rebirth of Star Trek. And just for reference, Yesteryear is from the first season, episode two, as a quick one sentence summary in this episode, Enterprise First Officer Spock must travel in time to his childhood and keep his younger self from dying and being replaced by Anne and Dorian on his ship. And this will be a commentary track episode, so you don't need to have seen uh, the episode uh, before. And uh, in a moment, we'll be queuing up and uh, and ready to go. Pete, any final thoughts before we delve in? Let's ride. All right. So Pete and I are both. We both have our Netflixes fired up. Uh, we're about two seconds in uh, on Netflix. It has uh, twenty four minutes and two seconds left. The way that slider bar works. Uh, still is the starry field. I think the music has just begun. 
uh, you should be able to get some of the uh, some of the episode audio in the background uh, of the podcast to kind of help you line up, um, or at the very least, if you're not watching along with us, just to be able to hear the uh, hear the goings on. All right, here we go. On go. Three, two, one, go. So, Pete, as we first um, kind of start to see things here, I can only imagine what it would be like being a kid that watched some Star Trek, you know, the, the, the live action series. And then, you know, it goes away. Okay, TV shows don't always last forever, all that. And then to suddenly be watching this, some of the animation now, like when the Enterprise comes around the planet, uh, kind of at the, the turn, you know, I mean, obviously it's animation where they've traced over the, uh, traced over footage from the series, but this is an authentic show in a lot of ways. Despite some of the goofy places it might go, this is done from from an authentic place. Well, it's funny that we're watching an animated show when the greatest possibility for Star Trek's return on TV that's been talked about to this date would be in an animated fashion. They've actually kicked the tires around this J.J. Abrams universe, you know, having some kind of animated uh partner on tv well i guess what else can you say other than with that now we're we're jumping into the episode proper uh written we just saw a second ago by dc fontana the uh the the vaunted writer of uh, classic trek and uh also i know she did the encounter farpoint pilot along with gene roddenberry i'm not quite sure how far into the first couple seasons of next generation she did but well, Pete, what are we looking at here now? Hopefully it's uh, familiar to many a viewer. Well, we really jump in, other than the fact that there are aliens on the bridge we don't recognize, to what could have been a show from the 1960 run a couple of year, years earlier. You yeah. Know, we've got stuff happening on the bridge. You know, they're tracking something. They're, oh, man, the camera just moved a little bit. <laughs> it... um. I mean, it's nice to kind of return to the uh, to the Guardian of Forever, um, and uh, I, I don't know. It's just uh, not to repeat myself. It's kind of such a sense of joy uh, that I put myself in, imagining that like, oh man, all these people they're back in cartoon form after after you know, time away from uh, from my television set. I had first encountered the animated series uh, very early on on Nickelodeon. Uh, they must have acquired the rights at some point. And I was stunned, like, wait, is that Captain Kirk's voice? That's Spock's voice. Uh, why am I continually hearing Uhura's voice coming out of every character's mouth? You know, <laughs> I, I was just really um, impressed, you know, being a little kid, being, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, um, you know, not realizing that it would be a big deal that, um, you know, uh, Captain Kirk would lend his voice to a TV show, uh, to a cartoon of all things. But you just, you, you usually knew you didn't get the people from the movie or something like that. In it. So that, that made this impressive. Absolutely. And uh, it, it's a great concept for this episode. You know, we're at the point here where it's been established that uh, nobody remembers spock except for kirk there's now this andorian uh uh first officer who's uh, i don't want to say who, who has replaced him but who's who's now been there all along in this uh changed timeline and um 
it's uh, it really is a great concept especially um you know andorians are just as expensive or inexpensive as drawing anybody else um for the animated series so it's a it's a neat way to get um to get those different uh, races in there at the same cost as anybody else at the same cost as a pen and pencil absolutely uh, nice addition here uh, as well of Sarah kind of setting up the uh, the background. And I think in a minute, right, that's when they're going to establish that in this timeline, Spock is dead. Yep, there we <laughs> go. The, the death of their son. It must be... Uh, it's kind of like a road not taken where I feel like, you know, you had... Uh, to have had Leonard Nimoy, um, uh, to have had Leonard Nimoy kind of explaining um, uh, the emotion that he would go through right now, um, uh, finding out that he's dead, you know, must be must be quite a shock, you know. Right. And just for reference, so you know that we're synced up, we're getting to the 19-minute mark just about now. And um, to to kind of go back to what I was saying before, Pete, about the um, the ability to animate some of these characters, it, it, you have this uh, this bird guy here. I apologize for not knowing his name, but same thing. It's a you know it's a welcome addition to just have kind of more um, elaborate aliens in the animated series. It's all about the strange new worlds, Matt, and that they could get into those things, you know, beyond the the speciesism that's happening. Oh, we're just going to replace, you know, a Vulcan with an Andorian that we could have, you know, um, a guy take over for Chekhov that has so many different arms and have, you know, a cat uh, like person on the bridge, things like that, both of which have shown up in the. Uh, the new films to this point so clearly made an impact as far as their inclusion. Yeah, and uh, it's like, why couldn't you just have had Chekhov? You have everybody else. But uh, what's neat here in the the scene that's just wrapping up is um, it's kind of setting up uh, kind of a, a time loop of sorts. You know, Spock has this memory of Selick, who who he had encountered as a boy, and now Spock is going back to be the Selick who saves him, but Spock could only have remembered Selick because Spock always went back to save himself. Kind of that. Um, Fun side note, uh, the character of Selick, his first name is Tom, but is never spoken on screen. Tom, T-O-N? T-O-M, Matt. M. Tom Selick. Uh, <laughs> well done, Pete. I walked right into that one. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, but I thought Vulcan and it just had the one name. And that was good, Pete. Well yes. done. Yes. You mentioned the kind of speciesism. I never quite thought of it like that. Do you think that in in uh, in the 23rd century, uh, in a Starfleet clearly dominated by uh, by uh, Earthlings, albeit for reasons of, you know, they're the least expensive to put makeup on, um, do you think that there is a little bit of a glass ceiling for the Andorians and Vulcans in uh, in the service? Yeah, I mean, we we don't see a, an alien captain for, you know, quite a while going through the series. Um, so, yeah, it's like we're going to trust you so far. You, you can advise the captain, 
but you know, keep your pointy ears or your antennae or whatever protuberances you have, you know, off the captain's chair. Do you think that's why in uh, Deep Space Nine the Vulcans? Uh, it's a season six or season season second episode where a Vulcan ship is shown to have taken up the uh, the uh, orderly and athletic uh, habit of baseball. Are, are, are the Vulcans Jackie Robinsons, Pete? Uh, no, no, I would disagree. And and wait until you get further into Enterprise to see the rift that the uh, the Vulcans and the humans have in the early days of, uh, you know, man's exploration in space. Ooh, exciting stuff. So anyhow, now that um, now that we're back on Vulcan, back in Speaking the time of racism. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> This is a scene that, um, maybe not tonally, but this is a scene whose spirit is is lovingly lifted wholeheartedly out of uh, this episode and put directly into the the 2009 J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Absolutely, and those guys, you know, uh, Roberta Orkey and Alex Kurtzman and Lindelof, um, you know, they're they're students of this and, and fans of this as well. And, and going through when you begin that, well, what do you pull from? And, you know, they made a conscious effort, particularly with the origins of Spock to get at that, you know, okay, you're Vulcan, but you're human at the same time. What was his childhood like and everything that went along with that. And, you know, um, what I did in terms of going through all of Star Trek when it was announced in uh, 2006, I believe it was, that we were going to be getting a Kirk-Spock origin film. I went back and watched the original series, which then became the animated series, which then led me to go through in order all of the series. Um, some I had seen in almost in entirety, some I had not seen at all. And, um, you know, just getting that backlog uh, so I could see any kind of references, any kind of uh, things that would come up in the films. And it's been really nice throughout those, you know, these first two films with the reboot for them to get references from all corners of the seven existing series to this point. Well, I mean, kind of speaking to that overlapping of the uh, of the different series i mean what a wonderful get to have mark leonard back in this episode as uh, as sarek i mean this was a guy who had played uh, a romulan had played a vulcan he was very much featured in the films and then you know again on the next generation so somebody who was very important throughout uh star trek history uh, now, speaking of Star Trek history, Spock's uh, large bipedal bear dog creature. Do I recall the references made to that in in uh, the episode Babel? Like when you first meet Sarek in Classic Trek? If I'm remembering correctly, I believe so, Matt, but I'm not 100% sure. Not having seen um, that episode in a while. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure in Journey to Babel, there's kind of reference to like... Uh, uh amanda says something to the effect of you know oh uh spock you know spock had his you know such and such back as a boy and you know uh, somebody perhaps kirk or mccoy is like oh he had a pet dog and it was like yes except it has giant claws and razor teeth or something like that i i apologize to our listeners that my my memory isn't better 
I guess a, a, a product of us sampling so much from the from the Star Trek uh, <laughs> offering. On a lighter note, uh, what's up with the little boy uh, uniforms in this episode? <laughs> uh, you, you know what? Definitely a good choice on J.J. Abrams' part to not have boys walking around in underwear, boots, and sashes in, in the film. <laughs> that said, to be fair, I mean, Vulcan is a, uh, is a hot planet. Um, and I really can't defend it any more than that. <laughs> Now we've got these beautiful fountains going here. We're getting the uh, personal log out of Spock, and he's explaining that he's had to adjust here. Time has changed, even though he believes he's not done anything to disrupt it. You know, it seems like this where the animated series might be unfairly maligned in general, but then you get scenes like this where you know, if you were to turn this into a set, it would be it'd be a spectacular, intricate set. And instead, it's just you know, uh, whatever you know, whether it's a marker or, or uh, you know, whatever it is that they're using to to do the coloring, um, you know, ink cells, that kind of thing. I I don't I don't know my animation terms, but to to be able to explore these lush locations um, with these lush creatures, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, there are times where there clearly are some animated uh, or some animation cheats. Maybe not necessarily in this episode. I don't recall having seen stuff like that yet. But where they'll do a super close up to somebody's face and you can't see their mouth. Well, okay, haha. That's just a that's a way to not animate the mouth. But it um, the animated universe for listeners who haven't spent a lot of time in, in into it. The animated version of Star Trek is a very close to to classic Trek, but also B, so, um, I don't know, unleashed by by the lack of cost concerns. Well, it definitely helped. And, you know, as I alluded to before, the idea of these strange new worlds, you know, we'd not seen a lot of Vulcan uh, from the original show. And to now get the idea of, you know, this test going on in the wilderness and to go back through the Guardian of Forever and things like that, you can revisit the old and expand upon it. Absolutely. Speaking of sashes, I'm kind of uh, digging Sarek's sash ornamentation on his uh, outfit there. Now, Pete, hearing that, that roar of the, uh, the Vulcan creature there, uh, I'm reminded uh, of uh, a factoid that I, I assume you know about, but it's possible you don't. After uh, Star Trek uh, did its two seasons and, and 22 episodes total, uh, then was canceled, uh, do you know what happened to all the, uh, the bits and pieces of Star Trek um, sound effects that Filmation had gotten from, from uh, Paramount? I can only imagine they were reused in some way, shape, or form. They absolutely were, and I grew up with uh, the Masters of the Universe cartoon, He-Man. Well, it's f- funny that you say that, because I was going to ask before, why is He-Man's battle cat fighting <laughs> uh, Spock's um, thing, Aichaya? <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely similar kind of colorings there, and then also some of the... When I first started to see some of the um, Classic Trek episodes on VHS that my uncle was lending to me... Um, there'd be, you know, the, the the sound effect as they turn on the view screen. And I would kind of have this weird twinge in my head, like, that sounds like something from out of my past. And 
the 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 cry of the beast there is a kind of uh, you know about a minute ago when it lunged at young Spock. The number of times that's been used as look, it's the lava monster sent by Skeletor. Look, it's the beast monster sent by Skeletor. It's just filmation just took all this stuff. Um, the sound of the Enterprise firing photon torpedoes. Oh my goodness, that's every laser shot in He-Man. <laughs> so it's there's kind of a weird. It's almost a weird time travel here where seeing these episodes takes me back to a later cartoon that I saw earlier. Yeah, I mean it's funny in a in an episode about time travel that you know we're we're talking about such experiences because if if you were a child at any point in the 1980s and you didn't watch any of the masters of the universe he-man cartoon then you know you really didn't have a childhood by the way what spock was just saying there um i feel like was not it, it, something about Vol- well let me back up what spock was just saying in terms of saying to himself we have emotions but we do not let them control us um i feel like that's something that it's always kind of in the in the background uh of of the uh of the series the different series different incarnations of vulcans but um it it it's something that isn't kind of in the forefront you just kind of think of vulcans as no emotions as spot and spock as trying to push his uh, his emotions down um in this episode in the jj abrams uh alternate universe that's a bit more at the forefront where yeah there are emotions but you just can't quite um, you know, sometimes they bubble up at these these worst situations, especially for somebody as as uh, you know half blooded as Spock. Well, I think it's a tender line that they walk between you know using him as a character who is so different from everyone else, and then imbuing him with emotion which everyone has. Um, you know, which which way are you going to have it and keep it, and um. I think, you know, as far as the character throughout his history, I, I think they've done what they've needed to to make him different enough at the same time make him relatable. Absolutely. By the way, just uh, for reference, if you're looking to make sure that you're still lined up with us for the commentary track here, uh, at least on the Netflix slider, we're coming up on five minutes and 50 seconds to go, uh, which is about 1826 into the episode. Um, so here, I mean, we, here we kind of start to approach, I don't want to use the word heartbreaking because that's a bit too heavy, but we're approaching a point where, you know, where we've all been there. Spock has now gone to the healer, uh, Ichaya, the, uh, his, you know, pet, pet creature, um, is, uh, you know, had gone to save him and now, you know, probably will not be living and he's, he's trying to almost goad the uh uh goad the healer into taking care of the uh of the hurt creature I, again that that the, the sound of that ship there is just so very um uh i don't know so so iconic both as a a classic trek sound and a uh and a um, you know a He-Man type sound. <laughs> no, no disrespect, of course, to the cartoon. You know the anime, the Star Trek animated series. It's just it's funny how it kind of blends together. 
great line there, a loss of life is only to be mourned if uh, if the life was wasted. The needs of the few. Or the one. <laughs> it, uh, I know, I mean, it, 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 this is a particularly poignant uh, moment, not necessarily indicative of the whole series. It kind of never quite gets this touching um so maybe it was just kind of the ignorance of hey they're gonna let us do a cartoon and let's have our first episode be kind of actiony and ooh, the second one uh, everybody likes spock let's talk about spock's past with time travel you know stuff but um you know young spock there trying to deal with the the loss of a family member albeit a pet um and the fact that he's processing emotions that his peers don't necessarily understand um it's uh it's a good story point and then we have him just here saying oh i'm choo- i'm going to choose the vulcan way um it, it makes this uh this story all the more critical kind of to the uh, the star trek canon and the thing to look forward to if you haven't watched uh much of enterprise like matt has is that they revisit um a lot of what went on in this episode in um their run in the fourth season the fourth season of enterprise the final season for that show is really kind of a love letter to the original series and to the animated series as well wow well certainly you know what something that we're trying to do with this podcast is kind of uh encourage the the uh i don't know how you want to put it the cross series nature of star trek you know we all might have our favorite series and our favorite characters but to, to kind of encourage everybody to delve into into the the series as a whole so um now we have uh, spock returning to uh back to the uh the guardian of forever and uh luckily in you know in kind of classic animated form he's uh him and Kirk are going to beam up. Problem solved. A nice, quick, nice, quick enough solution on this adventure. And again, for them to recapture the feel so well of a show that had been on TV, I think as far as animation goes, you know, hence the reason they won an Emmy. I mean, they really, really nailed it as far as a live action show in animated form is concerned. Yeah, it's kind of it's a nice um, given that you're limited with what you can do story wise, and so much of this story is is spent on Vulcan in the past. Um, it's kind of nice to have McCoy. You know, oh, all right, you two, you two, you know, nincompoops, you're done fooling around down there. Spock, let's go do your medical exam. It's set up for Vulcan. Um, you know, is the quick way for the the story to communicate. Hey, everything's back to normal. And McCoy got a little hate in on an Andorian there, which, you know, keeps with the theme here. We talk about the, the speciesism. <laughs> yeah, there definitely is a uh, there's a pro uh, a pro human slant to things. I, I, it'll be interesting as we continue, uh, you know, through the different versions of Star Trek um, to see if that I mean, fine, there's the. There's the the practical uh, you know limitations of it's easy to populate the crew with a bunch of you know actors from Hollywood that you slap a little cake makeup on as opposed to you know tape things and glue things to their forehead and their face and you know 
and whatnot. But um, it'll be interesting to see if that kind of pro-humanity slant to things continues in the other later uh, series. We'll just have to see. I'm not a time traveler, so I can't tell you. Oh, how (laughs) linear of you. Well, Pete, now that the episode is over, here's the big question. What makes it, in your mind, Pete, uh, an essential episode of Star Trek? What is it about yesteryear from the animated series that makes it so worthy of seeing? To that point, we had gotten so little. And even looking in the throughout the series as they exist, we've gotten so little of the background um, of Spock to see him you know, as a child for the first time to, you know, really kind of get the interplay between him and his father and his mother. And he had a pet and there was a time travel experience that he went through with the paradox and everything like that. I really think it makes it a touchstone for future stories like that. And, And God knows over the 700 plus hours, we get a couple that are similar. Um, but none that are maybe handled as well, particularly early on as that. Now, Pete, just for my own reference here, a paradox is not when doctors McCoy and Marcus hang out, right? It is not. A paradox. Wow. (laughs) Anyhow. Hey, you know what? I, what can I say? I bring the, uh, just the, the, the rip roaring jokes. Mm Mm-hmm. Pete, before we wrap up this episode, let's look ahead to next week's episode. Next week, I'll be flying solo for Star Trek Deep Space Nine's duet. Ironic. (laughs) That it is, I suppose. I would also call it out of the, how many hours of Star Trek are there? 756? 62. 762 episodes of Star Trek. I haven't even seen all 762, I will admit, but I would call duet in the top five easily wow high praise absolutely it's 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 an episode that sets the table for deep space nine having a a slightly different take on the human race uh at least as encapsulated by all the many races of uh, of uh of star trek and uh, a little bit of a departure from from the the heady gene roddenberry days but uh certainly a, a great great episode I will remind people if they have not already voted either via our Facebook page or via Twitter. Heck, even do that on the IG, on the Instagram for their uh, picks for the second half of our season coming up here in uh, August to uh, make their voice heard. Absolutely, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's going to be great to to tally all those votes and to see what what the audience wants to hear for uh, for the second half of our summertime Star Trek podcast. But Pete, of course, it wouldn't be summer without three things: the barbecue, the Coca Colas, and talking to you on the Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter P I E T E R J. K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R 7,909 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a whole host of ways. We are Fantastic Geek. That is fantastic with the P-H. You can find us under that name on the .com, the Gmail, the Twitter, the Instagram. But wait, Pete, there's more! 
facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek all one word with the ph like it today well pete with that yesteryear is now yesterday ish or at least it's over we're back here in the present time we made it and uh i can't wait to be talking more star trek soon let's duet again next week fire phaser button sorry um what's the matter i know i thought i was gonna say that part but that's fine um oh i'm sorry yeah no uh, pete can you give us a little bit of background right now even better watch this let me try it again Thank you.